0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The first principle we want to look at tonight for families is this. Stop blaming each other. We can see that clearly in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 12. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. We all know the context of this. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So you know what man did? Man blamed God and he said, God, it's your fault. You made a mistake when you gave this woman to me. That's the first thing out of man's mouth. He blamed God. That's exactly what Adam did, but he didn't stop there. He also blamed the woman. Of course, he remembers that what the Lord said. It is not good that the man should be alone in the second chapter. And the Lord made him a help meet for him. Remember that, Adam? But Adam was just playing the blame game and the woman was no better. Who'd she blame? The serpent. That's the saying that you get where you hear people say, well, the devil made me do it. That started with Eve. She blamed the serpent. So principle number one for families, if you want to simplify your life, just own your own mistakes. Own your own faults. And if you can't own it, If you've done something wrong, if you can't admit it, all that does is rob you of joy. And it robs your family of having joy. Life just becomes more difficult. Parents can teach their children this simple principle, not just by reading them this Bible verse and explaining to them what it means, but by just putting it into practice. If parents can own up to their own faults, they will set the example. A lot of this stuff is caught, not taught. You teach your children this simple principle, one, by you just owning your own mistakes. You'll be happier that you do it, and they'll be happier that you do it. So that's principle number one. Number two, get Matthew chapter six. Second principle is found in Matthew chapter number six. And that simply is this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter number six. This is a common sense verse. Look at verse number 31. Matthew chapter six, verse number 31. Uh, Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And here's the principle. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all your things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Think about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. We're living in the present right now, today. There's enough concerns, problems, issues of today to deal with. So God isn't going to give you the strength for tomorrow until tomorrow comes. He's given you the strength right now for today. So grab a hold of that. You will never be able to fully enjoy the day that God gave you right now if you're always distracted and worried about, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? So seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't be so distracted with what's happening tomorrow. And so, well, what am I going to eat? Well, what am I going to drink? Well, what am I going to wear? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what does it say? Let's look at it one last time. And his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Get your eyes off the temporal and get it on the spiritual. Principle number one, own your own faults. Stop blaming others. Principle number two, stop seeking physical temporal things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Get your eyes on God and he'll help you sort out what needs to be sorted out. Principle number three What is found in Philippians chapter number four that we're going to talk about. The only way to worry about nothing is to pray about everything. We'll find this in Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Watch what the Bible says in verse number six. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. This isn't a state of an emergency verse. Okay, This is not what this verse should be used for. Oh, no, something ha- has something went wrong. Let's panic pray. Oh, no, there's something going on. And I need God's like this vending machine God where I'm just going to throw some prayers up and he's going to drop down some some of the things that I want. This isn't a panic prayer verse, a state of an emergency verse. This is what should encompass the Christian. And it's the simple cure for anxiety, the simple cure for worry. Look at the result in verse number seven. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know where you get true peace from God and it's inward? You won't find it outwardly. But in outward circumstances that aren't peaceful, that are full of turmoil, that are full of stress, in the midst of those outward circumstances, you can still go through that With inward peace And you can't understand that Because it passes all understanding It's hard to explain that But a Christian really should be able to get a hold of that verse Full time Peace of God Which passeth all understanding Principle number one Stop blaming others Principle number two Seek you first the kingdom of God Principle number three Pray it's the only way to not worry about nothing is to pray about everything. Romans chapter 5, the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where's true peace come from? It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. Romans 8, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Why be stressed out about everything? That's called being carnally minded. You just don't understand what I'm going through. I probably don't. But the Lord does. You don't pray to me. I don't pray to you. We can pray together to the Lord. That's called being spiritually minded. Yeah, you need to take care of your chores. You need to take care of your business. You need to take care of your family. Sure, you need to plan for the future. But you can let a lot of those cares and stresses just overwhelm you. You should do all of that planning for tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. You should be able to do it spiritually minded it shouldn't stress you out how do you do that you have a calm relaxed dependence on him on him and that's going to bring you joy and hopefully as parents that will bring your children joy they'll catch that attitude Mark chapter 6, the fourth principle is found. This is very important. Everybody needs a break. Mark chapter number 6. Look what it says in verse number 31. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. And Jesus uh, is speaking in verse 31. He said unto them, uh, his disciples, uh, the apostles, were gathered together themselves into Jesus in verse 30 and told them all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, here we are in verse 31 of Mark 6, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. You know what a desert place is? It's a place that's free of interruption, and it's free of distraction. And Jesus is telling his apostles, come on, we're going to get away. And you know what you need? Everybody needs a break where they just get away with Jesus. Who's it going to be? Who's going to be there? Just you and the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Rest is necessary. Anybody that has ever had a job and ever will have a job knows that you're going to work and then they're going to offer you a break. You're going to get a lunch break or you're going to get a, uh, some type of break. Why? So you can just get away from it all, decompress, and then come back stronger. It's necessary. You see it in work. You see it in athletics. That's why they have innings and you rest. Then they have rounds because you have a rest in between rounds. Okay? They have halftime. Why? The team goes away and they take a break and then they come back. And all of a sudden, when we come to the family, we think somehow that, well, nobody needs a break, except they do. Moms need a break. They shouldn't be expected to work all day without a break. Dad gets to go to work. He get, you know, he, he he gets a he gets a lunch break. You know what kids need as well. They need a break. They need a break from each other. They need a break from the schedule. Why? So they can decompress. So they can just have their own time. And Jesus said, "Look, you're gonna t- you're gonna have some rest." Just you and me. Look at verse 12. What were they doing? Prior to coming to all this, watch what it says. And they went out and preached that man should repent. You know what else they did? Verse 13, they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And then it comes on to King Herod and, uh, and, and all that. And then it gets to Jesus here with them. They're out doing the work of the ministry. That's a pretty important ministry that they were doing. Wouldn't you say? Healing the sick? Yeah. Jesus took them to a desperate place and, hey, time to get away. Get a break. It's going to bring. Not only is it going to bring you joy and happiness, but it's going to bring you some sanity. Sanity. All right. Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 15. We're talking about some Bible principles that families can apply. And the next principle has to do with the family table. Proverbs chapter number 15. And get your spot there. Bible says in Proverbs 15 verse number 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Well, who wants a dinner of herbs? That's not real elaborate. Who wants some meat. <laughs> Want some, something that's going to give you some sustenance? Who wants a dinner of herbs? Well, Solomon, I mean, he, you know, the Holy Spirit's the author, but. Solomon wrote this under Holy Spirit's inspiration. You know what I'm going to assume he was used to? Elaborate meals. Solomon ate well. Why? He had the money to eat well. And Solomon is saying, it's better to have a dinner of herbs if there's love there. Man, oh man, you know how much stress and anxiety and fighting can stir up in a home and then come to a table? Solomon says, you're better off without all the feasting and all the rich food. You're better off just some herbs if you got some love around the table. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's a principle families should get a hold of. You want some love around it. Now, you might pick one night a week. You might pick one night a month where it's an elaborate meal. So the meals don't need to be elaborate. It could be everybody fix yourself something. It could be, hey, let's just heat up some leftovers. It can be, hey, let's just, you know, have some cold pizza. It could be, it don't matter what it is. It don't matter if it's herbs. The main thing is, the principle is, what should be around the table? Love, And it don't matter what you eat. At least as much. (laughs) That's the principle family, should get a hold of. The family table. It's a time to relax. It's a time to unwind. It's a time to keep the conversation light. Heavy topics, topics of uh, disciplinarian issues are probably best done At a later point, or at least not consistently done at the table. Why? What's what's Proverbs tell us? Love. That's why. Bitter herbs. You rather have that. Where love is. Where love is. You know what else happens around the table? Simple responsibilities come out in the family with helping prepare the food and then helping clean up afterwards. And what happens? Responsibility, care, thinking of one another. Children, they'll be happier. They'll be, they'll be more joyful that they're able to play a part in a table that is surrounded. Well, yeah, it was just herbs, but love. It's a pretty good principle. I'd say so. Sixth principle. Hope this is a help to you. We live in a society that is completely overwhelmed with things. As a result of those things and things to do, people are over scheduled. Sixth principle. To keep things simple, to add some happiness and joy is to stop over scheduling. Nowadays, kids are involved with so many things that parents don't even know their own kids anymore. Soccer coach knows them. Football coach knows them. Music instructor knows them. We're so overscheduled, it's one thing after another, after another, after another. And as a result, families have no time even for church anymore, for no church fellowship. Why? Well, I've got karate class. Well, I've got fill in the blank. We need to be careful about over scheduling. Why can't people be in church? Why can't families be in church every time the doors are open? They're too busy. They're too over Going, Being at church every time the doors are, are, are open isn't a requirement. That's not in the Bible. Midweek service isn't in the Bible. I hope we don't use the fact that midweek service isn't in the, isn't in the Bible as a reason why we don't come to midweek service. I'm saying both ends because on one hand, it isn't a requirement. There's no command. It doesn't make anybody super spiritual. But set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. This idea in Psalm, in the Psalms, where it says, "Be still and know that I am God." How can we we be still when we're a, when families nowadays are like a ping pong uh, game? The ping pong here, 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 here. There's like a ping pong ball all the way all around. People say, well, it's just not practical for me. I don't know how it's not practical. People have this idea where they don't want to actively be involved with their brothers and sisters in Christ. People don't use those same arguments for the hockey team. I need you here Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And then we got a game on Saturday. They don't use those arguments and other things. busier we make ourselves, the busier we schedule ourselves, the more disconnected we become from our family, the more disconnected we become from our church. It's just a fact. You become more connected with other things. Are those things wrong? No. But what happens? You keep overscheduling, you just get disconnected. Number seven. Uh, Let's go over to first Timothy chapter number three. First Timothy chapter number three will bring us to our seventh principle to build your home around the church. First Timothy chapter number three. Bible says in verse number 15, we all know this verse. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. That's what people want nowadays. They want the truth. You know what God said in his word where you can find it? In the church. You really should. A simple principle is build your family around the church. Christ purchased the church with his own blood. Be careful you don't elevate your family and your family's activities and your family's schedule above the church. Christ is coming back for his church. He bought the church with his own blood. Yes, he died for you. And he wants to put you in the body of Christ. He wants to put you in his church. I'm telling you, commit now to keep your family in church. Well, the church isn't the building. Yeah, but God's people meet in the building. So you would want to come and meet with God's people. It's his body. It's Christ's body. People don't say that about sports. Well, baseball isn't the field. Football isn't the gridiron. Basketball isn't the court. Why are we excited about it? Why, why do we go to those things and commit to those things? Because we're excited about it. We're excited about it. Johnny, we should be committed to trying to create joyful, happy memories At the church house I know many listen online If you're listening online right now And you're not in a local church Get in the local church If it's not our church Find a church But schedule Church into the mix Well I don't know You know this and that Whatever excuse you're going to put in there I'm just going to say Use that excuse when it's time to go shopping Use that excuse when your children want to do another activity. Use that excuse for work. I'm just going to stay home and do work online. Well, if you can, great. But. Why has it become such a hassle? For people nowadays. Maybe it's because. Principle number eight Turn off social media Now we're on social media We use social media But we're not consumed By it The Bible says in Second Timothy All scripture is given by inspiration of God You would think by the amount of time That young people and uh, young adults And families are on social media You would think that that the Bible says Facebook is given by inspiration of God. You would think people, it's YouTube was given by inspiration. I saw it on YouTube. Oh, well, gee, that must be true. I thought the church was the pillar and ground, the truth. And is uh, and then the Bible says it's given by inspiration of God. So we have scripture. That's the only thing that it's inspired by God. Not my words, not your words. Not, someone, not what somebody said online, or not what somebody put in print. It's what God's word says and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. If that were true, if Christians truly believed that they would spend more time in the word of God, more time with God's people, more time at the local church house, more time with the ministries of the local church and less time on the social media, less time on the Twitter, less time on the talk and the tick, less time on the YouTube, yet less time on what's the other one? The Facebook. We got scripture that's inspired by God. We should get an amen, a hallelujah, or at least a praise God out of that one. It's scripture that we have in our hand. We can open up. Everybody's got it. All that. All that social media stuff by design. It's designed to distract you. It, that's that's the distraction. That's the distraction at least now. It will be something else later but the TV isn't the distraction anymore. That used to be the big idol in the living room. Now nobody looks at that idol anymore. It's still there. <laughs> all the all the you know junk pumping through cable can still be turned on. But now it's in the palm of their hand and they're just scrolling. And, you know. Let's unplug. Let's unplug. Well, where's that in the Bible? Well, we just read it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you've got something that's inspired by God, why not go with that? Whatever else the other stuff is. I didn't say having that stuff is sinful. What I said is the distraction that it causes. The junk that pumps through it. The idea of elevating self above God and doing things just to get attention and preeminence. All of those are principles that God says don't do. Matthew 5 says, thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. So if you're addicted to that stuff, throw it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Why sacrifice your life? Why sacrifice the joy your family can have by actually knowing who you are if you're just addicted to social media? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Have your eyes look at something else. If you can't handle it, get rid of it. Romans chapter number one, the ninth principle. Children are happier with a simple life. They're happier with a simpler lifestyle. The culture in America has made things so amped up that things everything's a contest, everything's a competition, everything is more, and more, and more. And as a result, so-called Christianity has become ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter one, verse number 15. You know what Paul says in the Holy Spirit's inspiration? So as much as in me is, I am ready. What's he ready to do? To preach the gospel. That's what Paul's ready to do. To you that are at Rome also. Is your family ready to preach the gospel? Is your family ready to get involved. In some evangelism. Paul says he's ready. Athletes get ready for the big game day. Musicians get ready for the big concert. Academia gets ready for the big debate day. Christians get ready to preach the gospel. And that's what Paul says he's ready. And in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You can, you can get a hold of that. And that, that's the power. The gospel's the power. That's why we preach it, that's why we compel others to preach it. You should be happy to pass out tracts, happy to knock on doors, happy to hold scripture signs. Gladly do it. Because you're good at it? No, (laughs) most of us aren't. (laughs) Most of us aren't. But I know when I look at the activities that children are involved in, and I'm not saying they're all sinful and wrong, that is not the argument. They put on uniforms and clothing that quite honestly look ridiculous. You wouldn't walk around town with a football outfit on, would you? Nobody would do that, but you are ready, and you are not ashamed on game day to put that out. And we could go right on down the line and apply that to different things. Why people are ready, and they're not ashamed. Why? Because it's important to them, they're excited about it. They're not even that good. Really What's the percentage of people That actually make a living At professional sports 1% I know it's not a big percentage Most people that play Aren't any good at it Kid's walking around Like he's going to make it To the major league and, and, and the coach doesn't have the heart and dad doesn't have the heart because dad's really holding out hope for little Johnny. But you just want to say, look, kid, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> you are not that good. Kid takes up the violin, you know, and it's just like ears, like breaking glass. Your ears are going to – and, you know, no parent has the heart to "Oh, You're just – you're horrible. You're not going to go anywhere playing. No parent would say that to the child. And they're going to go and play some and somebody's going to come over and they're ready to play. And they're not ashamed to play. They're not any good at it. I could never knock on doors. I'm not good at it. Me neither. Me neither. Now, look, I'm using that as an example. I'm not saying every Christian needs to do that. I'm not trying to place requirements on you. I'm trying to draw out this idea that we aren't good at a lot of things, but we're ready and we're not ashamed to do it. These parents sign their kids up for dance and they put little, they're putting little Billy now in a tutu. <laughs> little Billy's jumping around on stage in leotards and leotards in a tutu. He's ready to do it. He's not ashamed to do it. And he's not not even good at it. We do a lot of silly things that we're ready to do and we're not ashamed to do. Why? We're excited about it. It's not about being good at it. It's about what are you excited about? I want to be excited about witnessing for the Lord. What's your purpose? Have you purposed in your heart to focus on living for God? Family evangelism. Get your family involved. Last principle. Everything that we talked about is for naught. If you don't teach this most important, and you save the best for last, Bible principle. Yes, you can hear it from a preacher. And you should. Yes, you can hear it from your child's Sunday school teacher. And you should. But it needs to start with mom and dad. And that is the simple plan of salvation. The most important thing. Is the simple message of salvation. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. All under condemnation. All death. The idea. For salvation, God's plan is to get you to pass from death unto life. And that's something that every father, every mother should put a put a put a high emphasis and a high priority on teaching that Bible truth. That salvation is the most important thing that a child will make a decision on. Do they know they're a sinner? Do they know they need a Savior? John three thirty six. the Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Simple words, easy to understand. You want everlasting life? How do you get it? By believing the Son. You don't, you're under condemnation. If you don't, you're under God's wrath. That's important. Why? Because at any time, you could die. And once you die and pass from this earth, that's it. There's no coming back. You can have a happy home life. You can have a happy church life. You can have a happy work life. You can have joy in all the activities that you're doing or not doing. You can have all of that. But if you neglect the simple message of salvation, it's all for naught. That should be the heartbeat of all that you do, the gospel. It's a saving gospel because it's a gospel of God's grace, meaning he's going to impart to you something that you don't deserve. And the only way to receive it is by believing. Jesus Christ came into this world to die in your place. And he did that. He gave his life because he loved you enough to want to make a way for you to be reconciled unto God. It's the most important thing a matter of fact, if there's one thing you want your children coming away with from spending time in your home, parents, it's that they heard from mom and they heard from dad that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.